combination of solitude and darkness is toxic. Whether you are 14 or 40, I would argue that that combination of those two things over time will often take you places you don't want to go. We build environments that create a certain mood and kids respond to certain environments different ways. The theme of the environment is sort of sets a kid up for the type of behavior that you'll typically see in that kid. Where kids use technology often dictates how they use technology. In the digital age, students are one click away from finding themselves surrounded by danger that can lead to darkness and despair. Today, we will discuss the five most dangerous places for students to go online. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Glad you're here for this episode of The Thought Factory podcast. We've got a very, very critical and important conversation, Jason, ahead of us, especially in terms of COVID. We know that students have been online way, way more than they ever have. And we're, we've seen a spike in that throughout uh, our society because of the effects of COVID. And this conversation points us in a direction that's very specific to help us know what are the five most dangerous places for students to be online. And our conversation is with online safety expert Chris McKenna, And this conversation we had a couple years ago, we wanted to bring it back because we had this conversation before COVID, but now that COVID has happened, this conversation is even more relevant because of the amount of time students are spending online. And we need to know what we can do best as youth workers and helping families and parents know how to protect our students. Two years ago, we could have looked at this list and and acknowledged that those are some uh, places that are dangerous and stuff. But now that COVID has put us in a position where we are more online and we are home and more in isolation and and not getting out, it it does make it more prevalent to be aware of these places. And and so it is a a critical conversation to listen to because when we are not aware of where the enemy is is working, then we are oblivious. And we just kind of send our kids and our, our students to places that that aren't protected. And that is what Chris McKenna does bring up is how do we protect these areas and our students in these areas? Our next episode, we're going to be talking with Chris again. We're doing kind of a two-parter here. And we're talking about, again, how to protect students and from things specifically like pornography online, which, again, is tying into all this time we're spending online, and also how technology is experimenting with students, and we're going to learn more about that in that episode. We hope you join us. Okay, we are here with Chris McKenna from Protect Young Eyes. We've had him on before here on the podcast, but tell us about Protect Young Eyes. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, Jason. Hello, Chris. Happy Welcome. to be back. Yeah, thanks, guys. Did I say Chris McKenna? I don't think I did. You did? I, did I? I heard it. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah. Sometimes so. you aren't aware of your own vocal cords. Okay, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So protectyoungeyes.com is a website that we want to be free and available to as many adults who protect kids as possible. We work tirelessly to be constantly combing the internet for trends. The two primary 
concerns we heard from parents over the years is I don't know where to go and I don't have time to find out. So the website was built as a way to resolve those two problems. And I would say youth pastors at times have probably the two, those same two obstacles, right? Because their plates are full. So again, whether you're leading ministry or whether you're leading a home or both, we want that website to be a place where you investigate apps, devices, parental controls, trends, whatever it is. You have one spot to start, and then from there, we'll send you to other places, but it's a clearinghouse for the best content that's out there. And then we use that as then a uh, springboard then to work with hundreds of schools and churches to present, to speak to parents, to speak to educators, you know, both in person, and we also have a digital curriculum that is used in small group settings and also in the classroom to talk about digital citizenship in a God-honoring way. So, ProtectYoungEyes.com, we highly encourage you you need to be on this website. You need to just subscribe to your email. You always have great information out there. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been a. It's obviously you've you've met um, a lot of needs out there, like you you've talked about. And I know for us in the ministries that we're involved in with NTS Camp and some other things, we've we've wanted to openly promote what you're doing because it is so important. It's unique. You're right on the leading edge of, of this very important movement that's happening in our culture and society with students. So thanks for taking that leap of faith a few years ago to jump out and do that. It's been great to watch. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. You've really have grown even in the number of years that we've been in relationship and just working together. And I see you as an expert in the, the tech digital world in protecting adolescents and and students and kids to be able to, as we integrate smartphones and screens more and more into our lives and what that looks like, to be able to say, here are some things to be aware of and and to protect the students that we're working with. And and really, we look to you as an expert in this digital realm. Yeah, thank you. Well, I want people to hear very clearly that we are pro-technology, right? We want technology to be a part of kids' lives, but at the right time, when kids are ready. And I think sometimes there's a misunderstanding as to what internet safety organizations like ours are about. And it's not about bubble wrapping kids and saying that it's all evil. There are many God-honoring ways in which kids can embrace technology. We just need to teach them that. So it's great to be back. Um, I don't know how many times I've been with you guys, but I bet if I were to look through my history that I would see success at Protect Young Eyes in direct relationship to my visits here to the podcast. So, <laughs> Hey, that's good. We hope, right. we hope that's true. Yeah. I, and I think what you just said, um, yeah, about bubble wrapping kids and about using technology, you know, in our, in our mission statement of our organization, we say that we, we want to shape students using theology, community, and technology. Super. And, and it's impossible these days to think about influencing students without technology being in the mix, right? It has to be in there. And I was thinking about a conversation I had a few years ago with someone about digital Bibles mm-hmm. and um, how the conversation definitely um, was shaped, you know, centuries ago with the Gutenberg Press. And there was a, that fight in the church about we want to we want to keep the Bible to ourselves so that we can deliver it in the way that we think is best. The internet's obviously changed everything about information delivery, but for anyone out there listening to this, it's saying more on the bubble wrap side. We just have to understand that that it, it's a reality. Whether or not a kid has even a smartphone, they're influenced by technology, and that's why we love your approach. It's not a, 
a reactive approach, but it's more of a, a proactive and a hope-filled approach. That's why that's one of the things I think what we love so much about you and why we love to promote what you're doing. So you did an article recently, and you, you do this talk about the five most dangerous places for kids to be online. So let's go through those because youth workers, parents listening to this, being aware of these environments is important. So let's let's just go through the list. The five most dangerous places sure. for kids to be online. Yeah, location is important. I think anybody who's in youth ministry would appreciate the significance of environment. We build, when I was in ministry, you know, we build environments that create a certain mood and kids respond to certain environments different ways, right? If you want a sense of holiness or of fun or whatever the theme of the environment is sort of sets a kid up for the type of behavior that you'll typically see in that kid. So what we say to parents is where kids use technology often dictates how they use technology. And so sometimes I've heard people say, I, I work a lot both in, in um uh, Christian non-Catholic schools and also in Catholic schools, but a phrase you'll sometimes hear in the Catholic church is to avoid the near occasion of sin. In other words, don't put yourself in environments where the opportunity or the temptation is greater than other places. And I would say the same is true with technology because technology has a way of just pulling us in and we don't need environment to facilitate what technology already does to create temptation. So the five places that we talk to parents about first is bedrooms that I don't know how many times when I was in youth ministry, I was counseling or speaking to a family in a situation that was dealing with some behavior, a digital behavior. It almost always happened predominantly in the bedroom. Like if a kid is going to make poor choices online, it's probably going to be in their room more often than not because it's where they feel the safest. It's their kingdom, their domain. This is my spot. And often they're in their room at night. And so I would argue that the combination of those two things, for anybody who struggled with any sort of digital behavior that wasn't healthy, the combination of solitude and darkness is toxic. Whether you are 14 or 40, I would argue that that combination of those two things over time will often take you places you don't want to go. And especially for a young person. So the bedroom is one location. That's the first location. What would be the second location? Well, in our culture of selfies and taking pictures, mirror shots, so to speak, I would say the bathroom is another place. And that's not just at school or not just in other places, like the bathroom at home. And your kid might push back and say, well, I listen to my phone for music while I'm getting ready in the morning. Okay, great. Then get them an echo or get them something else. But I don't want internet access in the bathroom if at all possible. Find some other way to provide music if that's the primary pushback. I just don't think that it's, it's necessary to have access to the rest of the world while I'm in this place where typically personal private things are going on. You know, we just continue to speak to or hear from parents and particularly like school leaders that bathrooms are a huge problem spot for them. For schools that have not outlawed smartphones, more and more are, but for schools that have not, that's a problem area. Because they're not only just taking selfies, but they are revealing private aspects of their body, right? Or of, or of uh, others. Of right? others. Yeah. It's... And when they have internet access, it can get uploaded and, and dispersed very quickly. Yeah, one click. Even good kids are just one click away from life change. I mean, that's just a really, I think, important thing to keep in mind. So, so yeah, and, and you think about it in terms of school. So they're going in there 
And from a school official's perspective, even the amount of time, it's going to extend the amount of time you're out of class because you're in there catching up on your social media, doing whatever, and no one really knows what's going on Definitely. in their lives. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Well, after the break, we will find out the rest of the list, the other three places that are dangerous for students to be online right after this. All right, Chris McKenna, Protect Young Eyes. We're talking about the five most dangerous places for kids to be online. You've talked about the bedroom and the bathroom, number one and two. What's the third place? I would say that number three, I'm trying to think if there's a, there's a sequence here in terms of, of worst to least worst. It's, it's hard to do that sometimes. I would say maybe third in terms of risk would be sleepovers. You know, I was a kid that grew up, um, you know, in the 80s, and I loved sleepovers. You know, I'd go to kids' houses, neighbors, friends, you know, spent the night as often away. And it probably had to do with the fact that I was the oldest of seven children. So getting out of my own house was almost a goal of mine (laughs) (laughs) to to enjoy some time with friends that had uh, less chaotic situations. But um, I think sleepovers have a different risk profile today with the advent of the Internet than they did before. And again, it gets to the point of they're with a group of friends, they're up late, there are fewer rules when it yeah. comes to sleepovers, they're typically less supervised, um, and all of that just creates, again, these sort of toxic temptations that a lot of kids, and we all know, working with kids, um, wisdom isn't always the top of their gifts at that age, neurology would support why that is in terms of their brain development. You're saying it in a very nice way. I would put wisdom probably at the bottom of the list. <laughs> having having right? students of my own, right? Yeah, non-existent. Not so on the list. Left yet. outside. Yeah. If they have any, it's a bonus. But there's a lot of yeah. neurology that would that would prove to us, you know, the reasons why, right? Their brains yeah. just aren't shaped in a way in the front yet to make those sort of should I kind of decisions. So again, it's, it's an environment that I think just is ripe for making poor choices. Well, you're also inviting in a level of influence with their friends. And so when they're together with their friends, the influence of behavior starts to increase instead of when they're by themselves in the bedroom. Definitely. And I, the risk multiplies when you put more kids together. One of the problems that sometimes comes up, it's a different post, is you may have your house network locked down and your own kid's device is maybe controlled with Circle or Covenant Eyes or something. But when you bring kids in, if you're not confiscating those phones, you now have data plans that are not content, are not navigated by or governed by the network controls you yeah. have that kids are exposing other kids at sleepovers to pornographic or other content. And we've seen that lead to some pretty heartbreaking um, behaviors you know, of kids experimenting and just really getting into spots that have, have been horrible. So it's sometimes that risk that enters your house that um, you really um, lose sight of, you know, what that can look like. So and I tell you, as a parent, this is one of the most um, difficult things to navigate because with our kids, uh, sleepovers, even even like when our kids were were younger and it was during a time when the internet was still, you know, in its birth phase. You know, we thought about different things. We thought about, you know, their interaction with the parents. Do we trust the parents, you know? Because, uh, I mean, lots of abuse happens during sleepovers. But this opened up a whole nother area because then it comes down to, for example, our encouragement for our daughters to have, you know, friends that aren't believers, to be ministering to these yeah, people and right. families. And then 
but now you're putting them in that environment as a parent and the conversations that you have to have with other parents and with your kids where you can't, you know, explain to them exactly and, and explicitly why you don't want them over there, but you have that that gut feeling as a parent, like, eh, I don't know if I can really in good conscience allow <clears throat> my kid to stay there. And I think, um, Chris, I want to talk about that for a minute because I think as parents, what do we do on that end to go, we, you know, it, it seems really rude, like, hey, my daughter can stay at your house, but I want all the kids' phones collected. You know, you, you can't impose your rules or ideas on them, um, but you still want them to be socially engaged because I think the other side of it is, um, you know, the wisdom as a parent to go, I want to protect them. I also want them socially engaged as well so they're not, they're not always the odd person out. You know what I'm saying? So how, what, what do you do with that? I want to push back just a little bit on the idea that it's rude. And I know you weren't saying this necessarily, but push back a little bit on the fear that I think we have about this idea that it's rude, that I can't impose my thoughts or rules about internet safety on someone else's home. Mm -hmm. Because I think that there's a, um, a disproportionately high amount of fear that's attached to something that we should be okay doing. Yeah. I think the enemy wants to make us afraid of that conversation. But at the end of the day, Okay, pray for a non-judgmental spirit and make sure you're in a spot where you're not wagging a finger of I know best. But to look at another if a mom to mom, mom to, you know, or dad to dad and say, you know what, I've I've learned a few things about, you know, this particular social media platform, or I just went to a presentation and learned some things about pornography or whatever it was, and we've changed some rules in our house that look like this. I'm trying to put my kid in environments that mirror some of these things. Now, I know every house does things differently, but could you just give me a little bit of comfort around if my daughter is going to be spending time with yours, you know, what kind of devices do you have? I'm not trying to say you've got to take them all away. I just give me some information Mm -hmm. so that I can make an accurate risk assessment about where I'm putting my daughter. That doesn't mean that if I don't like everything you tell me, she can't play with your kid or spend time with your kid. It's just that, I may come to that conclusion, but I may instead, before my daughter or my son goes over there, say to him or her, you know what, in their house, these are the things that are present. And if you saw this, or if this thing happened, here's what I would like you to do. And give them the tools to know what to do when things happen. Go through all the if and thens, and then give them what they should actually do so they're not stuck and floundering. So I think it's okay to ask for a little more information about the places where our kids are spending time, especially, you know, in times like summer break or Christmas break where kids are spending a lot more time with each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was a kid, my parents, and I think I've said this on other podcasts maybe, but my parents just kind of needed to know one thing. Do you have Showtime, Cinemax, or HBO? And if the answer to that question was no, then I was pretty much okay to go over to their house. Mm. The risk of spending time at someone else's home today because of the internet is not so much that you don't trust that family. You don't trust that every single internet-ready device in that house is connected to 100 million people. Right. So the risk profile is changed when kids get together. And I think all parents would, would generally agree with that, that it's not you calling out their house. It's calling out the culture we live in and just wanting to make decisions for my own kid that doesn't put them in a spot where they could get into trouble. Well, even the screen that you're talking about, the television of asking about the the cable 
networks that are available on television are not interactive like the internet. Yeah. You're not interacting with those actors and actresses. You're not interacting with the scene, but with the internet, you start to interact with people and live, you know, scenarios that, that could cause them harm. So you're, you're trying to protect them from things that they shouldn't see for television, but it's now things that they shouldn't say and do and see and, and just be exposed to. So the internet is so much grander than protecting somebody from paid cable. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I, I, I appreciate that, Chris, because I think what I just f- felt like, even in what you said, is you kind of gave me permission to go, hey, you can have that conversation. Because I tell you, like, um, it's it's it goes back to one of the things that, that came to mind as you were talking. You have this phrase, I'll say it, and then you say it the right way, but you, uh, <laughs> in, in your language, but you've said there's no such thing as passive parenting in the digital age. Right? You got it. Yeah. yeah. Is, did yeah. I say it right? You did. Yeah. If you don't talk to them, Dr. Google will. That's the rest yeah, of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's good. I think it's a, it's a good reminder for youth workers listening to this to be coaching parents. How do you have those conversations? Because a lot of parents, that's not even on their radar to be thinking about their safety like that. So the sleepover thing, that, that one was good. I know as a parent, I've thought of it as well, but Having on the list was great. So that's three. Number four. Number four. School buses. Mm. Right? The school bus. You talk about an environment with a horrible adult-to-kid ratio. Think of a school bus. And not only is there maybe one adult, but they're not watching the kids. Right. They're trying to drive a bus. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is not easy to do. Which is yeah. not easy to do. <laughs> and and so I'm and, and that's not meant to be disparaging towards bus drivers at all because what an admirable uh spot you yeah. know we need oh yeah awesome good bus drivers and but at the same time i i don't understand why schools that say this is our digital policy no cell phones in the classroom whatever it is you can then go to the transportation page of those same schools and they'll say well the school bus is an extension of the classroom we try to have the same, but they don't enforce any of the same rules on the bus. And you talk about an age gap that goes on, right? You've got kindergartners on that bus. You've got eighth graders on that bus. You've got 11th graders who are grounded from their car on that bus, right? And so you've got this wide range of kids with data plans and all these different scenarios that can go on, right? Even with something as simple as AirDrop on an iPhone, where all you got to do is pull up AirDrop and anybody who's got it enabled on their phone you don't have to be friends with them or anything. You can drop them whatever picture you want. And I've heard that as a prank on buses that yeah. they'll just airdrop some nasty photo to all the iPhones on the bus. It's one of those spots where I wish more school administrators would would step in. Now, that is not a popular stance because honestly, for some of the bus drivers, the phones keep the kids busy. I get that. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. And if you take that away in a culture where kids depend on that for their stimulation, all they're going to do is then get into trouble if they're not being occupied by the phone. So I, I don't know what the exact right answer there is. I just know that it's an environment that is ripe for inappropriate digital behavior. And so if you have a kid who rides the bus, it gets back to kind of the pornography topic. When parents ask me about when to talk to kids about porn, I look at them and I say, you know, a couple of things. But one of the things I say is if your kid rides a school bus and they're in kindergarten, then they need to know the word. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. I'd rather they hear wow. it from you in a loving conversation than from the eighth grader in the front who's showing his friend his favorite porn. Yeah. 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 Unbelievable. I know. I, my kids have been in that scenario where they were elementary riding a bus with high school kids. And uh, we always felt weird about that just in general because, you know, all the things, man, all the things that went on when I was on the bus, like mainly there was fights. Hmm. There was a lot of fights. Yeah, but, a little um, bullying maybe, you yeah, know, words. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Well, I think some of the, the things that you've provided, uh, blogs, the articles that you've written or you're partnered with, with other authors, has helped me as a, a father. I have a seven-year-old who... I had that pornography conversation with him about a month ago because I said, I want you to understand that this word exists. And if you, you're going to hear it, yeah. you're going to be curious. I'd rather you hear it from me and the truth about it. And yeah, he's seven years old, but you have caused me to have that, the boldness to have that conversation because knowing what the dangers are, if I just allow a classmate uh, a neighbor, somebody who has an older brother or sister who sure. just says it when he's hanging out with friends that are his age. I just don't know. Right. So it's allowed me to have confidence in having that conversation saying, yeah, it seems young, but it just seems like there's more push to, to expose younger children to that and get them hooked. And so I'm, I'm like, I'm going to have that conversation, took him out to donuts. And I said, it, wasn't a a conversation that was fully engaged by him sure but it opened up the door so that i could have that that conversation multiple times good job so thank you thank you for what you do yeah yeah so five most dangerous places so number one and you've kind of put these somewhat in order but i think so bedroom yep bathroom yep sleepover got it bus and now nice Come on, let's pick on number her. five. Yeah, uh, grandmas and grandpas. So I, grandparents' <laughs> houses, What's wrong right? With Grandpa. And yeah, we brought one in. <laughs> I was gonna, I was going to say the the granddaddy of them all. You know, the, yeah, but you know, and this oh, I love my grandparents. Some of my best childhood memories are with grandma and grandpa, and I want my kids to spend a lot of time with you know their grandparents. Um, and and this is not because grandparents are doing things inappropriate with the internet. It's just that typically due to their tech knowledge, they maybe would have Wi-Fi that is less protected than in other places. And just because they just don't know. Um, well, regardless, their house is not childproof by right. that age either. I find that like regardless. So right. technology or not, they Techno- just aren't right. thinking about children. No, no. They're and, playing with knives, knocking bookshelves <laughs> over, right. right, Jason? And then they give them back. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, what's, the, what's this flaming sword over yeah. here in the corner? <laughs> Grandpa, show me. Well, so at Grandma and Grandpa's house, at least in my experience, there's two things that are almost always different, rules and routines, right? So different rules and different routines in a different environment, again, creates a, a spot where my behavior is just naturally going to be different. And so I love it when grandparents come to our parent presentations and I, I, I speak specifically to them to give them some words. And I tell them, you know, Grandma and Grandpa, you don't need to be a Snapchat expert, nor would I want you to be because that's kind of weird. But I want you to state what your expectations are when your grandkids come over. Sit them down, put a plate of cookies in front of them and say, hey, listen, I don't know everything about that Instagram thing that you do or this or that. But if you can't show me, I'm like role-playing grandma right now. 
if you can't show me every word and every picture that leaves your phone through my Wi-Fi for the time that you're at my house, then we have a problem. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to know what my expectations are. And it's not that I'm going to take your technology away or say it's, trust me, you need to use it well while you're here. And I think they just need to hear from grandparents that they ha- that there are rules in this yeah. place, um, because I think silence communicates a permissiveness that while I'm up later than grandma and grandpa, and while I'm jacked up on sugar, and while I want to talk to my friends, I'm going to maybe make some bad choices. Well, it's even a conversation for parents to have with their parents. That's right. So it's not just grandparents being aware of this and having that conversation, but to encourage parents to talk to their parents as they are handing off their kids to them for hours or overnight or a weekend or whatever. And tell them not to use the in front of the yeah. things. Like, it's not when the you're using, Facebook. When you're using the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, and parents are sometimes the problem because why does the kid have the device? Because mom and dad have decided that they have to stay in touch with their kid all the time. Yeah. So they've often given their child a device to go over to grandma's and grandpa's house. Make sure that whatever device you put in your kid's hands creates a, a safe experience for that child right. in addition to, you know, wanting to text them while they're away. So That's excellent. And uh, of all those, I mean, listing those in those orders, um, uh, you know, let's talk to youth workers here for a minute. They're listening to this. Youth workers, um, what can, what's, what's one or two things you would say to them about what they can do in regards to this list? Well, obviously we're, having kids in our church environments and spaces. So if you just think of environments in terms of sort of, of, of risk, just be asking yourselves, where are the places that could have a combination of solitude, darkness, you know, wh- whatever those factors are, you know, look at the places where kids are spending time in your building, um, even bathrooms, right? Whatever it is. And just make sure that your events are not increasing digital risk. And, I would also say to make your, you know, state your expectations, just like we said for grandma and grandpa, state them very clearly um, at the front of, of all events. And, you know, thirdly, make sure mom and dads know that while they're sending their kids to whatever events that you have, that the kids are entering spaces with a certain understanding, right? That's why what you guys are doing to, um, you know, equip youth pastors who can then teach parents because often youth pastors are dealing with problems that enter their spaces that aren't, that didn't originate with them, right? The, the, the fact that a kid has an unprotected cell phone at the confirmation retreat really isn't the fault of the youth pastor. It's really the fault of parents who sent the kid to the confirmation retreat with that phone. And so again, and I know this is somewhat of a broken record, but just intentionally, persistently, consistently teaching families how to protect their kids so that you receive kids who have an understanding as to what that looks like. Yeah, we talk about that in terms of NTS camp. You know, we've got thousands of students from all over the country coming to NTS, and we've made it a point in our communication to... We don't talk about a lot of things with parents in terms of, like, telling them what to do, but we do advise them and say, consider not allowing your student to have a phone just because of the amount of distraction. You're in those special environments and man it, it can as you know they can derail so fast it's funny one of the one of the college venues that we were at um their internet service provider called the college and said 
do you, what what's going on at your school because uh this week every night between like about midnight and two your usage is like through the roof and it's all these kids streaming netflix and whatever you know <laughs> oh my and, gosh uh, so we're you know we're dealing with it on that end too what we found for our environment is we want um the least amount of distractions and rather than trying to police every single situation, we've just found it easier. And we, we know that we can't really enforce that. We don't want to get into that battle right. with parents. But what we say is we strongly advise you to, to just let your kids disconnect for a week, and here's why. Yeah. Hopefully we're making a difference there. As we talk about places to avoid when going online and removing phones from our ministry environment to eliminate distractions... Like Chris mentioned earlier, we are not anti-technology. We are not condemning the use of it. But what are the things we need to be aware of when we put a smartphone in the hands of a student? What are the potential pitfalls for students when they go online? And if we want to protect them from these potential dangers, should phones be allowed in the five places we discussed today? It's not about coddling or bubble wrapping. It's about being engaged in the lives of those we care about to lead them the best way we know how, the best way possible. And if you want to check out more, if you want to see all of what Chris has put together with his team to help you navigate through this digital life, go to protectyoungeyes.com. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.